0: Good evening everyone and welcome back to House Speak. My name is Alex and I am hosting this new podcast and I hope you enjoy it. Um, Today I have a very nice thing that happened is I finally got my studio microphone working. Um, It may pick up some other sounds in the background. I I live right against the laundry room and people are doing laundry next door so the doors keep slamming but it's okay. It took me a little while to get this set up because I ordered a very affordable one on Amazon and it ended up being a great buy, but it has an old school uh, headphone jack in it, which um, does not necessarily work on a computer because it's a microphone only jack and the computer is a combo microphone and headphones. So I had to order an adapter, drive half an hour and go pick it up at an Amazon locker because it was going to take two more days to come here because I'm in a pretty rural area. Um, But anyway... Uh, let's continue with the podcast. So welcome back to How Speak. Uh, this is my second episode, and I am finally recording the way I want to. So this is very positive. Um, I'm currently looking at my voice recorder, which is fantastic. And today we are going to talk about why modern farmhouse has been a mistake and is absolutely dead. So let's get started. Um, and I'm pulling this article off of Realtor.com. Um, You may hear me clicking because this is a pretty sensitive microphone, but that's okay. Um, So Modern Farmhouse was spearheaded, I like to say, by um, Chip and Joanna Gaines of the show Fixer Upper, which is based in Waco, Texas. Um, And for the time when it first came out, it was very fitting for the area and very fitting for the type of people that they were aiming towards and the style very much um, on par with the area and the things that they had and they made it work. Um, But there's a lot of fails that I think people don't necessarily realize that happens with this modern farmhouse stuff. So we're just going to go through the quick list and um, I'll cherry pick a handful that I want to talk about. So number one is signage and holiday overload or as I like to call it wordy shit. Um, Ray Dunn in particular. Um, I am very adamantly against this stuff. Um, I don't want a mug that says mug or coffee um i'd rather it with a snarky remark or a curse word just because i think it's funny um i have a handful of them at home at my parents house um still live with them as i'm finishing up college this year um, you know, I'm looking at a picture right now and it's like the coat hoax and the bench you'd have in the front door and it has like kissing booth, love brews here, kisses 25 cents and there's a bunch of Ray Dunn stuff. I love us mugs, hot stuff mugs, love you mugs, couple goals mugs, cocoa jars, marshmallow jars, peppermint jars. All these have those words on it. Um, it's a little overwhelming to say in the least. Um, and there are, from what I can see right here, one, two, three, four, five, six seven, eight, nine different fonts of lettering, which, um, stylistically speaking is very overwhelming. Um, I am a very neurodivergent person, sensory things are, I'm very particular about. And one of the really big things about these that drives me nuts is when things don't necessarily match and I'm not very much a, everything has to be symmetrical. I like symmetrical, but I'm okay when it's not. Um, you know, symmetry doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, Left is equal to right, you know, starboard is equal to port, things like that. Um I'm using boat terms because I love the water and I rode for so long. So kind of one of my comparisons there. Um But, you know, symmetry in terms of words, there's not coherent. It's all over the place. You know, I like a, a certain amount of coherency, even if it's not necessarily directly symmetrical. But I like things to be similar, you know, have one sign, not 50. You know, I'm seeing there's three jars, there's one, two, three four, five, six, seven signs with words on them in literally like a three by four foot space, which is really overwhelming. So we'll get back to that. Um, I will rant a little bit about that later. So that's number one. Number two is throws and pillows gone overboard, which I a hundred percent agree with. Um, throws and pillows are very nice to have in moderation. I think it's important. Um, You know, But with modern farmhouse, it's like a pillow explosion. You can't even sit on the beds in these houses because instead of having two, four, maybe six pillows, there's like 15, 16, 17, 24, 26 pillows on one bed or one couch. You're filling that entire space. And a lot of people have this need to fill a space. And when you overfill a space, especially something like a bed where you are supposed to lay your body down and sleep or rest. You need to be able to lay on that and when it's covered with pillows, it's overwhelming. And I've noticed this over the course of time. I have family members who absolutely love pillows and I'm totally not, you know, crapping on that, but it, it is overwhelming sometimes. If you keep buying pillows, first of all, they take up an absolute ton of space. And number two, they're usually clashing styles. When you are making a bed, you want it to be clean and elegant. You, need, you have the two pillows you sleep with, you know, so we're talking a full size bed or more. I apologize. My phone is going off. Um, So we need to think about this. You should have two pillows you sleep with, two decorative pillows, and then maybe a center pillow. That's it. Or you could have two sets of decorative pillows. That's okay. Maybe an arm pillow, maybe body pillow behind the others. Like practical things. When we're not thinking practically, and we just say, "Oh, we want this because it looks nice," it gets very overwhelming. And throw blankets. Um, in my house, we do have a fair amount of throw blankets, but they're practical. My mom has a flannel. She has a knit one. We have a handful of little ones that she thought were cute that we've had over the years. Um, but I'm seeing couches with, like, three or four different throw blankets. You need one on a couch, not four, one. Um, and one of the other things with these throw blankets, especially the ones you see in Home Goods and Marshalls, are very small. I'm a 6 foot one guy, and they barely go up above my waist. Like, I have pretty long legs. I have a pretty long torso. Like... They're not big enough. I have to take two blankets and layer them on each other to even cover myself. It's not worth it. Get one nice, clean looking blanket, in my opinion. Um, and they have pom poms and crap on them. The pom poms get so gross so quick, they're impossible to clean. So we'll go through that. I'm going to go a little quicker now. Too much cute farmhouse decor in utilitarian space. Oh my God. I am preaching this so much. The jars, the cans, the decorations, all these little things that people get, like goods or Marshalls, that are totally impractical. They don't get used. And then they're covered with wordy shit. A lot of this runs together. It's too much. It kind of runs in a number four, a no-can pantry. They have all these glass jars that are labeled. Do you know how much more work that is? That is so much work. And most people in this world... um are working families a lot of the times both parents are working even if it's one's full-time one's part-time both are full-time both are part-time whatever ends up happening usually if a family has kids they don't have time for this or they're devoting so much time to these organizing things they don't have time for their kids and then they instill it in their kids it's okay that kids make a mess but like over labeling over organizing and when you bring a lot of these things out that come in opaque containers that don't let light in and you're putting them in these clear jars they spoil really fast or they You know, things like potatoes that grow eyes or other types of things. Salt can get weird. You know, when you're allowing light in, it dries certain things out. It can damage spices, like things like that. Now, if you go to a spice store and you get them on clear containers, just stack them up neatly and stick them in the corner. It's a closed pantry. It's closed so it looks clean. It doesn't have to be clean inside and out in terms of organization. Um, number five, crafts that are a bit too crafty. Yes, um... I'm looking at chenille pumpkins. Chenille is a, like a type of fluffy yarn, like that like chunky yarn people call it now. Um it's a little too much and it's going to get dirty. <laughs> Crafts you can't identify very much so. Um, ooh, this picture is fun. It is a three-layer, looks like, it's like a tiered kind of like cupcake tray and it's just loaded with like hearts and plants and cups and uh little creamers and a ceramic bird and the wood beads this is not a necessarily kid-friendly account um if you're okay with your kids hearing these things it's fine or if you're teenagers they're probably hearing this stuff anyway um (laughs) the wood beads do not look nice they look like anal beads i'm sorry they look like sex toys um yeah they mm -mm. the wood bead light fixtures sometimes depending on the, the feel yeah they're okay you know if you're doing the outdoor feel or doing kind of like a rustic outdoor pergola or something that's really cute if you can protect it those are really cute the wood beads with the tassel and the twine shit first of all twine's gross and it freaking drops dust everywhere and leaves shit everywhere it's disgusting um same with jute jute rugs are cute my mother loves jute rugs um i particularly don't i think they're cool they're impossible to keep clean you can't wash them and they leave this like Powdery dust everywhere. It's so gross. Um, so yeah, we're not. (laughs) I'm gonna say no to the wood beads, especially with the twine shit on them. I think it's gross. Oh no, the gnomes. I actually like the gnomes. That's not good. My partner's mom loves gnomes. I think some of them are super cute. Um, (laughs) number seven just says gnomes are never a good idea, and it's Ohio State gnomes, which is my partner's favorite college. Um, I'm gonna move past this one. I'm just I'm gonna give them a pass. Little things and having one or two little farmhousey things is totally okay. Um, this is Realtor.com, so it's pretty mainstream. Um, some gnomes are really cute. I think they're funny. I honestly think they're more funny than cute, and that's why I like have one just to make people laugh. My dad had this weird like garden gnome thing with a pan flute. And his name was Pan. <laughs> it was this ugly little thing, and it has been the butt of the joke of my family for oh my god. Years. <laughs> I think these things are hilarious. Pet beds a la farmhouse. Uh, yes. The twine again. The jute again. The rug stuff again. Um, no. Aesthetic doesn't have to be in every single thing. Things can be utilitarian. And I 100% agree. And this picture is in Decatur, Texas. Shocker. Mason jars as bathroom storage. I like mason jars. You know, when you're trying to be utilitarian, like Mason jars as cups, I think are awesome because the thing thing is they're cheap, and they're pretty durable. Um, I personally like them. Um, I used to camp with my mom as a kid, so I think you know they're utilitarian. But like mounting them on the wall, I think it's a little overwhelming. We have like a big one on our counter at home where we just stick our utensils into because we had it. Things like that, like utilitarian wise, they're great. Like using them as cups or stuff. Like listen. I'm starting. I have a job after I graduate, and I, I'm you know I'm a cheap person. I like to be cheap. I like to be cost effective. I like to find the cheapest way to do things or be crafty. You know, I'll spend money on things. You know, if I really want something, I'm gonna spend the money absolutely. But you know, you have to be crafty, and if that means you buy a case of mason jars for twenty or thirty bucks instead of spending fifty or sixty, you know, you can get like twenty-four of them for like thirty bucks, and they're like a nice size and they're useful. That's great. But, like, you know, regular glasses, sometimes they can be expensive. And the ones you usually have at, like, Ross Marshalls home goods usually mediocre. You usually have to spend money to get good ones. I usually like to get them at yard sales. Um, we were at one two weeks ago. Um, my partner was with us for family weekend. And he got four nice wine glasses and, like, eight kind of old-school drinking glasses that were really pretty. Kind of had that... Um, I don't want to say mid-century look because they weren't really square. Mid-century is more about straight lines like the mid-century modern look. But it was kind of that old school traditional with the nice straight lines and nice carved crystal glasses. He paid two bucks for 12 glasses, which is nothing. And I was like, all right, like, we're going to do it. Um, They were practically giving things away. And number 10, chicken wire, pithy saying, and wine. So this is a little distressed wood box with chicken wire to put corks in from wine. And the words say love, laughter, and wine. Um, it looks like a box you would put chicken poop in. And one other thing is chicken wire is very useful when you need to like, block things in outside or you have a gap in the fence and you need to temporarily fix something or things like that. That's fantastic. Um, chicken wire does not belong in the home. Um, I knew someone who had a pen in a basement for their dog. They put them inside instead of a crate so we had room to run around when they weren't home. And that was chicken wire. That's okay. But chicken wire, I mean, man, that stuff sucks. It's flexible, but you get cut easily because the wire is so thin. So the moral of the story is, and one of the biggest trends I've noticed with modern farmhouse is it's cheap. Um, there are much better ways to style a home on an effective budget very cheaply very effectively very straightforward other than modern farmhouse like i'm sorry i don't want yarn ball pumpkins yeah they look cute but that once that thing hits the ground it's gonna be disgusting forever and you can't wash it because it's a ball of yarn it's gonna absorb all that liquid there's like no way to keep it clean you'd have to unravel it and literally like soak it and then wrap it back up that's so much extra work um and you know the wordy shit is like the biggest thing for me. That really drives me nuts because it is so unbelievably overwhelming. Um, I just, I don't, I don't love it. It's it's too much. It's overpowering. Um, it's too much. I apologize. I'm sniffling a little bit. It's a little humid here today. Um, one of the big things that this Realtor.com article does not talk about is Barn doors. I hate barn doors. I despise barn doors. They are so unbelievably useless and they're ugly. They are not functional. (laughs) People go, well, the aesthetic, well, all this. You're paying like 400 bucks just for a damn mounting rail at Lowe's. Like a decent mounting rail that can hold the weight of all that wood is like 400 bucks. They're really freaking expensive. Um, And when you slide the door open, it takes up all that extra space on the wall. So not only do you need to have the real estate on that wall to open the door up onto, when it's closed, unless you put brushes or gap sealers around it, which look like crap, you can see right through the side of that door. If you're walking parallel to that door, you can see right into the bathroom. We have rented a place to shore a couple years ago. And um, this is really when Modern Farmhouse was like at its high point of taking traction. Um, <laughs> oh, man. There's was this little powder room in the master bedroom because the master bedroom was like a suite. You had to go outside and then walk into the back. It's in a shore town, so you're not really using it in the winter. And it had this little powder room in there because there's only one full bathroom in the house. So they wanted to have a separate space and they put a barn door on it. Well, there were like three inch gaps around the freaking door. There was no privacy. Like, it was so useless. And the door didn't stay shut. Those things are so impossible to keep level because you're trying to keep level front to back versus like a regular door on a hinge. You can shim that up. You can put a shim where that hinges. You can pull that out and you can shim it up or shave it down to get it to level. It's not that hard. You can take the door off and plane it down. You can't really do that with the barn door unless you hang weights on it. And it's going to look ridiculous anyway. And really, if you're hanging a weight on it, it's still not going to distribute right because it's front to back. You only have really like a 2D level of weight balance. They're just ineffective. And a lot of these barn doors that these big retailers are selling are junk they're junk wood and that leads me into the next thing shiplap is horrible shiplap is an abomination joanna gaines version of real shiplap that's behind that drywall and they use to line the walls of houses to really insulate and block those rooms off that shiplap that shit is like an inch thick tongue and groove nailed to the wall like no one's business not this cheap thing crap that you're putting on top of the drywall in your house to make it look farmy like when you go to Lowe's. You go and you find shiplap, and it's in this box, it's like a flooring box, about the same size where the you know the pieces are stacked. It's a long, it's kind of tall, skinny box. It's like forty-five, fifty bucks a box. Do you know what kind of wood that is? It is junk scrap wood. It's not finished. It's rough. They sprayed some shit stain on it. Literally, it looks like a shit stain, but <laughs> they they um spray some cheap stain on it and call it shiplap. They cut the tongue and groove through a mill and they're. Their cost is probably a dollar or two for those boxes because they're so cheap and they're mass produced and they're selling them for 45 to $50. That is a 4,500% 4, markup. 4,500 to 5,000% markup. That's insanity. Their profit margins on them are insane and people don't even see it. They're blind to it. So we do have a little spot of kind of like shiplappy type of stuff in our house. It's above our fireplace. Um... So what my dad did growing up, he knew all the factories in the town where I grew up, because it's kind of a factory town where I grew up. We moved further south towards the city. Um, We live right outside the city now in 2016. And they'd always throw away pallets, and sometimes they would throw away really, really nice pallets. So he found, and they threw away solid cedar pallets, which were, like, ridiculous. Like, all the slats were, like, pristine cedar. So he made this kind of shiplap thing on the wall. But a lot of the times what people do with the shiplap is they don't finish the edges, they don't over-trim the edges. They don't put crown molding on it. They just like slap it on the wall, spray some paint on it. There you go, chip lap. No. Um, no. It doesn't look good. Um, so what we did is, he took the strips. He sanded them all down really nice. He put them up on the wall and he painted them white. And then he trimmed it out real nice. And he didn't cover the whole damn wall in it. He covered just above the fireplace because the ceiling is... Like eight foot two inches. Like we have an odd height in our house. So he wanted to elevate the space a little bit and bring it to look up a little bit. So it's got kind of that distressed look, but it's not it's a nice smooth coat of paint. It's really nice looking. He has a nice big chunk of thick crown molding on it, because we can't fit crown molding in that room because the windows go all the way up to the ceiling. Or like they miss it by like two or three inches. It's like a really short ledge and the curtain rods are nice. Big, thick curtain rods with big finials in the end and go all the way up against the ceiling so we can really make those windows feel nice and big. And it really brings in a lot of light to that room. I'd rather bring light into the room and effectively place curtains than have shiplap everywhere if it's painted white. And that leads me to the next thing. Stop painting your damn brick white. Stop painting stone white. First of all, it's a bitch to maintain. And on top of that, you can't change it without sandblasting it. And sandblasting is so messy. Um, we actually have a wall in our house because there's an addition on the house. It was built in 1969. So the addition has a two-car garage, my bedroom, and then the office and a second-story porch, which is on top of the office. So the office backs up where the original porch used to be. It kind of took place of that. And there's a stone wall there. The last people painted it gray. Um, the previous people painted it white. And my family's like, we really want to remove this paint because it's granite, quartz, granite and quartz stone. Our house is built out of its beautiful stone. The outsides of our homes are stunning. It's like a storybook neighborhood. We do luminaries and holidays. It's beautiful. Um, we can't get it off. We cannot get this paint off. We have to call out someone who can seal the room off. So you has got to tape up all these tarps. Possibly ripping paint off the ceiling and um, the paper from the drywall. Because that happens when you tape things up on walls and drywall. Seal the doorway off. And then he's got to take an entire day to sandblast that paint off. It's going to cost us $1,000 to say, take that off for 40 bucks worth of paint. So, yeah, while it may be a cheap upgrade in the beginning, the paint eventually chips because the last people covered the original paint. So there's like two or three layers on our wall. They covered that paint because it was chipping. It was coming off. There was moisture in that. And when you paint brick or stone, it doesn't allow the moisture to, do, to co- come through. So people are painting their brick and stone, and they're noticing moisture in their house now. They're noticing wet spots in a drywall. They're noticing insulation problems because brick and stone naturally breathe. Brick more than stone. Stone does, to some extent, breathe. It's more the mortar. But with brick, brick breathes. It's porous. It's a porous material. It's a hard, porous material. It breathes. It wicks away moisture, and it absorbs moisture in those opposite months. So when you seal it with paint, it can't do that. And then over time, so you paint it on in a really humid month when it's absorbed a lot of that moisture, that paint's going to bubble again. It's going to bubble eventually because it can't get that moisture out. And then it damages the brick. And then to have it sandblasted off is a disaster. And whitewashing, don't even do it. Because that's even more of a hassle. Because whitewashing still keeps the texture of the brick. It doesn't cover it with paint. And then you can't get it off because it stains the brick. So one of the alternatives to that. And Mike Holmes did this, I believe. It's called staining your brick. So some brick... Brick has a variety of colors over the years. So some homes in certain areas have more of a bright red-pink. that almost has like an orange-pinkish hue to it. And in other areas have really dark brownish brick. Um, So what you can do is... You can get from that light to that dark color. It's like a brown brick stain. What you do is... You don't spray it on. You don't do any of that you go brick by brick with the brush and it's thin, it's real thin and you brush each brick it is time consuming but the difference is stunning it darkens that out, that brick color a little bit and it makes it a little warmer instead of like that intense red and it's not overwhelming um, and I think that's important and the same thing with inside if you want to add texture to your walls do it with artwork, do it with oil paintings, do it with There's like Mod Podge paintings and um, almost I forget what the exact material is. You get pottery. You have little funky things hung on the wall. You get plants in there. You really bring that texture out. You don't want to decorate your home with paint colors. You want to decorate it with your decorations. But you also don't want to keep it too bland. Having one wall with a pop with some really cool texture like a little wall and you walk in to really kind of give it a little spice and you do a really plain like kind of setup there instead of painting it all cream is beautiful. But when the whole house is a cream or a tan and then it has so much decorating, it's overwhelming. So you need to have some texture on the walls periodically. You have like, like my neighbor lives in a mid-century home. It's beautiful. It's a stack stone home, the whole, so stack stone goes up about three quarters away on the home. Then that top part above the stack stone is solid mahogany. And then inside, there are solid mahogany paneling. It's like an inch thick. It's super, super nice. And you walk in, it's a slate floor. It's beautiful. And the whole house was sponge painted when she bought it. It was horrible. Like oranges and maroons and greens and purples. It was brutal. The one room looked like denim. It was awful. But it wasn't heavily textured. She had a company come in before she moved in. And granted it costs a lot of money. Painting is not that hard. You can do it yourself if you look it up and figure out how to do it. She had the whole house painted cream, except for the lower family room, which was like kind of a light, kind of minty-ish green. It's not it's not real strong green. It's real washed out. So it has a little bit of the differentiation, and then she hung all her artwork up and put all her plants out. And with the home that has stone, brick, or um, you know, kind of old school wood paneling, refinish the paneling. Don't paint it refinish it make it a really nice warm color find that gunstock oak color mahogany is beautiful Cedar's a little more red oak can be really yellow pine can be really yellow oak can be really orange and red too it really depends on the type of oak and pine you have in your home so she's got the paneling to break it up and then she's got some really nice washed out neutral colors it's a really nice cream it's not pure white like those new build homes are but it's that nice cream so it looks good and then you can kind of spice it up other ways. So one thing I really do love, and this is sometimes used in modern farmhouse, but more mid-century, is um, live edge. So she had this kind of cheap looking old, like, it wasn't mahogany, it was just like cheap little mantle the last people put there. It's hard to mount things into stone. It's stacked slate, and then the other side of it is stacked brick, and it's not staggered, it's actually stacked um, symmetrically, which is really cool. It's what's known as a tessellation. Usually kids learn it in like fifth, fifth grade math or so. Um, and we what we did is she got to these really funky corbels and she painted them a really dark gray called peppercorn. Um, I personally don't like gray. The only gray I do like is peppercorn because it's almost black. It's really dark and it's got a nice blue and kind of has a little bit of a cream brown undertone. It's really pretty. Um, painted corbels, that dark Dark gray, and it has little black inserts, and then we set the live edge on top of the corbels, Um, because there's really no effective way to mount the live edge without having to get a a special hammer drill. So we did is we mounted those corbels with really long lag bolts, um, and got them mounted in the wall really well. And trust me, it was (laughs) it was one hell of a process mounting the damn things. Um, And we did the live edge. It brings that texture out. You bring texture, in your things that come away from the wall. And one of the really big things I like is a lot of homes nowadays don't have fireplaces. And when they do it, those cheap gas ones or electric ones. Um, the ambiance is important. So what a lot of people are doing is you can get an old mantle online. It's a really nice, pretty, natural wood. And when you do that natural wood, it brings out texture. And then you could do a live edge on top of it. You just kind of set it on there and you cut a hole in the wall, have it framed out, or you have a contractor do it and set in a little electric fireplace and then you like kind of get a funky texturized tile um something like that so my neighborhood's kind of a mishmash of home styles so there's like three main streets and those two mm, two there's four main streets actually the two middle ones i live on the very end of the first middle one so i have like we have, like the largest house it was a development built in 1938 to 1940 um kind of during that world war Two era um right before ish um, they're all stone colonials. You, most of them were th- they, pretty much all of them were three bedrooms. Um, you had the standard colonial, which you walked in the living room, steps are on the side, you walk through living room, dining room, kitchens in the back, and then usually a breakfast room. Then there was a center hall, which is what we had, which is the upgraded model. You walk in the center hall, living rooms on the right, dining rooms on the left, you go through that center hall, past the stairs, kitchen, and then there's stairs to the basement. go upstairs, center hall, uh, two bedrooms on one side, master on the other and um, there would to be one big bathroom on the second floor or there'd be a split bathroom we have a split bathroom so there's a master full bathroom and then I have a full bathroom in the hallway and then they cut out the window in the back of our hallway and made that another room so we had this like little vestibule and it was sloped because the, the foundation for the addition actually sits like two inches lower than the rest of the house they made this like stupid little slope and I'd always trip on it because you don't expect it and you kind of push your ankle up and you can feel the pull and you're like oh shit so we actually made a nice ledge and we built it up a little bit with tile. And what we did is, instead of doing that basic kind of white creamish tile, we did this tan speckled hexagon tile. with has little gray specks on it and it has little dark colors like kind of copper splatters and gray splatters on it. Beautiful. It brought some unique color and most of our house is hardwood. But upstairs is regular skinny plank oak hardwood, which kind of has an orange undertone. And then we wanted to pick our ideal color for hardwood to put in my room because it was originally carpet. And because my room's in the addition, it actually is a cedar subfloor, which is beautiful, but it's not finishable because of the way it was put on. So we got gunstock oak. It's this really nice brown and gray undertone oak. It's stunning. Um, And then the downstairs is parquet, which is weird, but it's not that cheap like little 4x4 piece of parquet that you see in the 80s. Back in 1940, people would pay couple but eh, the houses were i think the houses were like four thousand dollars new they were really cheap they were like middle to upper middle class back then they weren't horribly expensive um like to have a bow window installed with the stone around it was like 25 dollars, super cheap so people pay like a hundred dollars extra for the nice parquet floors and what they did is they cut the wood strips in one foot sections and they laid them in opposing patterns it's it's really neat um but ours is more orange so we used that little tile and that vestibule to break up the original hardwood from the new hardwood and give it a transition. And there's a door out to that porch, so we kind of had to do that. Um, so there's a lot of different things. But kind of back onto like, the design trend issue is how people don't realize what they're doing and they get caught up in design trends. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone's on TikTok, but I'm not sure if you've seen it's like the mother picking out... Going at the daughter to pick out the blue color for her room. And it's just like vibrant blue. When you paint that room, it is like... You walk in and you get nauseous because it's so blue. What a lot of people do is when they see colors... They really like a color. They always buy a color that's too saturated. So one of the issues is... is like If you like a really gold color, people go way too gold. There's too much orange and too much red in it. And it's like an explosion of gold, orange, and red in your face... When you walk in the room people need to come back and tone back two to three shades to get a more washed out look so it's an undertone of the room but your doesn't clash with your decorations um rooms painted black feel like dungeons depending um my bathroom is actually painted peppercorn. so my bathroom is original from 1940 tile still in great shape so it's um uh, i think it's two inch by two inch little white tiles on the floor it's white with white grout goes up the wall and it's all white most of the houses were either pink, blue, or green tile. Mine was white, black and white, which is nice. My parents was blue, but the last people redid it and did gray tile, which it, it looks nice, actually. It's not overpowering. They didn't overdo it. They did gray with some nice tans and whites. It's a really nice washed out, kind of calm vibe. Um, so my bathroom is the white floor, and then the tile continues up the wall to about mm, three and a half feet. There's a strip of black, another row of white tile, and then the top cap is black. So we wanted to kind of accentuate that room because when we moved in it had just the light on the wall it had this crappy shower curtain it had this horrible shower head it had this cheap toilet in there it had this hideous yellow valance in there completely clashed and the walls are just white above the tile it had no definition to it so what we did is there's a lot of white in this little bathroom and when you have too much white and just a strip of black it just feels like it, <laughs> it feels like the room was cut in half um, and the tile matches and goes up to my shower too. And I have a big cast iron toad. It's a really nice little bathroom. It's small, but it's nice. So I did is I got this peppercorn color from Sherwin-Williams, which I love. I, it's like the only gray I like. Um, I painted above the tile because it's only, our ceilings upstairs are only seven feet. We have lower ceilings upstairs because it's an older home. So half the wall, the bottom half is tile and the top half is drywall in the ceiling. So I took that gray, painted above that tile, peppercorn and the ceiling peppercorn. And we used a, um, I think I used a satin or a semi-gloss. I think I used satin. If you use gloss, shame on you. Gloss is no. Gloss is a huge no, especially on the ceiling. It reflects and it makes the room feel really small. Um, so I think we used the satin because it still repels water and stuff like that. And we got the right paint. So I painted that in the ceiling, and I only had the one light fixture on the wall. So what I did is to brighten that room up is I needed a, sh- a bathroom fan anyway. Because so when we moved in, I'd take a shower, and I usually take hotter showers. The water would accumulate in the ceiling. It would take forever for the steam to go out of the room. Excuse me. And um, I was starting to get dark spots in the ceiling from that, and I was like, I-, I need to get a fan. So I got a nice ultra-quiet fan from Home Depot. And the ultra-quiet fan is usually like $130. Bucks. I got mine for $40 on clearance. They're trying to get rid of it. So it's a fan has a night light and it has a bright LED light in it. Just white LED. Um, Daylight is a huge no-no in a home. You always want warm or bright white. Typically, you want warm white, but in spaces that are highly trafficked and you need to see better, you want bright white. So, it's a bright white light, which I like because I wanted to reflect off that white tile to brighten that room up. So, that you walk in my bathroom in the center. So, you walk straight into the sink, toilets to the right, tubs to the left. So, what I did is to brighten that up, there's the Sconces above the sink. That was all that was there when we moved in. I put that fan in on the ceiling. So it's the fan, the nightlight, and the bright light. And then I put a waterproof can light. Those flush mount, uh, not flush mount, but recess lights above my shower. So my bathroom originally had one switch. So since I didn't have heat and it's just lighting and it's on its own lighting circuit, it's very old wiring. But luckily. It's not knob and tube, so I was luckily able to salvage it. Um, You need to reroute the wires and stuff and check it, but eventually I'm going to pull and put a new wire in there. So I expanded. I took that switch out, turned the breaker off, opened it up. There's only a single box, so I cut it open to a double box. I got a switch and outlet, a single switch and outlet, and then a triple switch. So triple switch controls the light and the fan the night light and the fan and the fan comes on with the light over the shower and i made that on purpose so when you have to use that fan that light is on so you know i'm showering i need that light on and the fans on it keeps you kind of realizing what's going on and then the single one's the light over the sink so we went from just a regular kind of cheap sconce above vanity light the crappy bulbs in it that you'd use like 340 watt equivalents but it right up against the ceiling it put out like no light it was awful so we took that light now we have i put 360 watt equivalents in there use leds the one about in the ceiling in the center which is directly up, it's not above the light but it's in line with it in the ceiling so it lights up the whole middle of the bathroom and then over the shower so i darkened the walls but i increased the amount of light in that room And it made a huge difference. And that's one of these big things with modern farmhouse and kind of how I'm going off on a tangent with this is modern farmhouse. People want it to be bright, but they don't understand how to place lighting. Lighting is very hard for people. Um, I've always loved fooling around lighting. So I kind of have a desire to figure it out. Um, People don't spread out their lights or they put too many in on a non-dimmable switch, things like that. Um, nice thing about my bathroom is all the lights are separated. So you can have just the one on, you can have just the one over the shower on, you can have just the big center one on, or you can have just the night light on. You need to have those options. Um, and one of the big things that I always say to people is don't get just a chandelier or just a ceiling fan, get the one you want, get a chandelier, or ceiling fan, whatever you want, then have cam lights installed in the four corners of the room. That's going to bring light to those four corners of the room. And that light's going to travel into the middle and that fan is just supplemental. And for the love of God, stop using daylight bulbs and stop using LEDs and decorative light fixtures. So, what do you mean by LEDs and decorative light fixtures? You can use the Edison style ones in decorative light fixtures with crystals, anal beads. Yes, I call them anal beads. I don't like them, but they're acceptable. But the beads that people put out look like booty beads. I think they're gross. Um, (laughs) Put. Those clear Edison LED bulbs in there that are the right color temperature, the funky style ones, things like that. And things with clear shades, crystals, beads, things like that. You want to be able to see that. When you put an opaque frosted bulb in there, those cheap LEDs, things like that, it looks cheap. What makes your house look cheap is the fact that you're cheaping out and you're not shopping for the right thing. For the love of all that is holy, and I'm not religious at all, please stop cheaping out on things like that. Spend a little bit if you can sacrifice to spend a little extra or shop around. People aren't willing to shop around. They go in a store. Well, this is cheap. I'm buying it. Why don't you shop around online? You can wait a couple days. Okay, I have one light bulb in there for two days and it shows up by Amazon or wayfair Wayfair, you go to batteries plus bulbs, they have all kinds of they have great selection there. It's a little expensive, but sometimes they run clearance and stuff like that. Things like that. It it's utilitarian lights, put whatever the hell you want in there. It doesn't matter. Like heater rooms. Closets, things like that, that's fine. But in living spaces, are supposed to look nice. You need to use the right light bulbs and the right filters. You can use pretty much whatever you want in a lamp, as long as it's bright or warm white. Generally speaking, in a lamp, you want warm white because it's usually a living room. Um, and then we have this chandelier in our dining room. It's like the circle one with the, like the frosted kind of tan shades from Lowe's, I think. Lowe's or Home Depot. Less people put it in. My mom really likes it. It's very plain, but it's not bad. But they put cheap cfl's in there that were not dimmable so you turn it on it was on a dimmer switch it flicker like crazy um the curly cfl fluorescent bulbs are out stop buying them they're junk um so a way to make that space feel nicer is we got gilded light bulbs they're like i think they're four dollars for two of them so it costs like 12 bucks for the whole fixture because i think there's six in there i think there's five or six bulbs but the gilded puts out a pattern through the shading on the wall Instantly makes the f- room feel more expensive and more elegant. Lighting is huge and people don't see that. Daylight bulbs make it feel bright and sanitary. And that has been very popular in these modern farmhouse looks. People are doing these, like, super bright white bulbs in places that should be warm white. Bright white is appropriate in a kitchen, in a bathroom. Warm white should be in your bedrooms and any other space. Bedrooms, living rooms, basements, things like that. Um... And you should kind of have both options in bathrooms. Kitchens, it can kind of go either way depending on your situation. Um, If you plan on darkening a kitchen, you want bright white because you need to bring more light into the room because a darken absorbs that light in essence. Um, So I don't know. I don't love Modern Farmhouse. I think Modern Farmhouse is a sin. Um, And one of the things is it's cheap. That's why people are doing it, and I hate to say it's cheap. Um, there are a lot more affordable ways to decorate a home more elegantly and more timelessly than modern farmhouse, modern farmhouse. Like if you look at Marshall's home goods, TJ Maxx, Ross, um, and whatever other stores like that you have around those stores are not getting those things to sell them at those good prices they're getting those things because they're overstock because no one else at the higher profile wanted to buy them so you get these things from designers and designer stores or things that have you know been renewed you're getting last season stuff this season so you see a lot of these people more rural areas pulling these things because they don't have that access but in essence you can really spruce things up um i think painting over beautiful wood is horrible um I hate stripping it. (laughs) It's a pain in the ass, but people give things away because they don't like the way it came out. Um, I have a 1920s bed set in my bedroom. It's for my great-grandparents. After my my grandmother passed away, she gave it. It went to me like that. I inherited that. And it's an armoire. It's cedar-lined. A tiger-striped walnut, I want to say. Mahogany and bird's eye maple bed. A big... It's not a low boy dresser, but it's not a tall boy dresser. It's an in-between. It sits high, but it's wide. It has a nice big mirror that's encrusted with wood all the way around, and a beautiful vanity with a ton of storage, and it. it also has a mirror. And then my uncle has a waterfall chest, but I actually have a waterfall chest in my room already that actually goes with the era of that or very close to it. It's about 10 years old or 10 years newer, but it's, you know, whatever. It was in our house, the original from when it was built. The original owner left it behind, and it's been passed down for 80 years. Um... But my room, and I don't love gray paint, is actually gray. My, I may sound like a hypocrite here. I'm not trying to be. (laughs) So allow me to explain. Um, My gray in my room is not cold. It is a warm gray. It has a brown and blue undertone. And I didn't paint the whole room gray. Three of the walls are gray. And the fourth one is a sleep blue because I love navy blue. Navy blue is like my favorite color. Um, Navy and royal blue, like, If you talk about my dream car, I want a navy blue Mercedes S-Class, man. That is, like, my thing. A navy blue Maybach, whatever. I'm a Mercedes geek. I love Mercedes. I had an old one I got for free a year ago, and I had to get rid of it. Um, Navy blue is my favorite color. It's elegant, it's clean, and it's been used for centuries. If you go in these really old homes, very dark greens, very dark blues, and then creams and washed-out colors and really dark reds look very good for contrast. Um, So I did a navy blue wall. And then we had these like grayish, they're gray and white pattern curtains that the last people left behind. Because the last people painted a traditional kind of old school home. They should be warm colors. They painted it like an icy gray and everything is from Ikea in the house. And I understand where they were going and they're renovating the house. They were just trying to move in. They only lived there for a year and they had owned it for three. Um, they just slapped paint on it and call it a day. They used bright white. Bright white looks blue bright white does not feel warm you want an off-white you want just a touch of cream in it just just a very little touch of brown or black in it it's going to tone that down we paint repainted the whole house a sandy a sandy tan um kind of did like a sandy grayish the kitchen is a really earthy tone green and so is a dining room and the dining room has chair rail so below the chair rail is white like, a, like an off-white and then above it is that natural green so we can mix plants and woods and different textures and different colors and different finishes we can mix all these different styles because we use earthy warm tones when you use a cold tone it automatically commands you. you have to use things with blue gray and black undertones black white really what it is because if you have a blue undertone it's going to feel blue it doesn't look good um and kind of my next thing which also runs in the LVP sucks. <laughs> um, I do not like LVP. LVP is the new roll-down vinyl, and 90% of the colors are freaking gray. Now, if you can get it in a nice warm color, it's okay. We have like one of the first iterations of it in our basement in the office. Um, we are going to get rid of it at some point. It's probably going to stay in the basement because it's durable, um, and the basement floor gets beat on pretty good because we're always down there doing laundry and moving stuff around and renovating. So it's like that'll stay just because it's utilitarian, but it's like a warm oak color. It's not this grey. People need to stop with the grey because it does not feel nice. It is cold. It feels sanitary in like these all white modern farmhouse kitchens are so sanitary. And then people over decorate the kitchen and then it feels dirty. It goes from one to the other. There's no in between. Everything in moderation. We're not doing the Tuscan bullshit that we did 10, 10 15 years ago where everything's brown. So we went from really warm like poo-colored warm, to icy cold. And there's no in-between. And this modern farmhouse doesn't mix it. And if you actually look at Joanna Gaines' real style, it's natural modern. She doesn't use a lot of gray. She uses a lot of white and wood and natural finishes. Creams, whites, and woods in her own designs and for herself. The reason she does modern farmhouse is because it's cheap. And it's effective for fixer-upper. These people don't have a ton of money, but there's a way to make your home look expensive without it being expensive. Yes, it takes a little more work, absolutely, but then you make yourself unique. Building a unique, beautiful home is so important, and I don't think people realize that. So, with my family, we have these early 2000s leather Thomasville couches. I think new they were like $7,000. They got them for off some wealthy family that painted their house gray and went modern farmhouse. And we bought it off of them, and we neutralized everything. And we decorated the space with our decorations and our family heirlooms and little things like that. Those couches look timeless. You can make older furniture look timeless. And I am very much one for timeless design. Because your house will always feel fresh. It'll always feel pretty. It'll always feel comfortable. Like, I want it to be a warm home. I don't want bright white. I don't want black. I don't want gray within reason you can have gray splashes that's fine but like I don't want poo colored brown but I don't want icy gray I want either warm grayish a beige and then be able to add my own splashes I'll texture all myself for fun and if I hate it I'll scrape it off and paint it tan again but like that mid century feel really embodies a lot of it in a lot of ways there's some really funky things I personally love atomic um which is a mixture of funky colors you got the lucite which is acrylic stuff um, kind of a mixture of everything. I personally really like mahogany, walnut, some oak. I really don't like pine because it's not durable and it's kind of It's kind of typical. Um, warm colors. and I like the bright splashes of colors. So boomerang countertops, funky colored lucite. This the silly little pieces of wood with colored lucite grapes. Like they're funny. Like I love little funny things like that. That's the character you want in the home. And if you like traditional, if you really like modern farmhouse, do transitional. Transitional is a clean linen kind of, you can mix in some jute rugs. You can do that kind of cream color with linen curtains. It's very clean and neutral, but it feels warm and homey. That is so important, and people don't see that at all. And there are so many different styles out there, and always do your research. Moral of the story is, modern farmhouse is out. Stop with the wordy shit. And Marshalls and Home Goods are resell- resellers. They're not the latest styles. They're resellers. They do great stuff, I will tell you. There's some older styles I absolutely love. Um, but if you look at a home... If you ever watch the movie Mrs. Doubtfire... The house that that family lives in... Is... Early 90s... Expensive. And if you look... That that style. It still is very applicable today. There's some updates that would happen. Um, a lot of my neighbors have their home style like that. And they've done a lot of really nice improvements over the years. That house is still beautiful. 30 years later. Because it's timeless. It's got a mixture of the traditional. The transitional. There's some things that are really ugly. Trust me. Like the floral shit. Ugh. Um, but the house is timeless. It's beautiful. And it's. Granted, it's like literally like quintessential San Francisco. It's like a $10 million house now, but (laughs) Um, I take examples from that. You can mix those things in because people don't know what to do with them. And the best way to do that is Facebook Marketplace. You're going to go on there and you're going to find the wealthiest area near you. And you're going to see what crap they're offloading. People offload expensive ranges, expensive furniture, clocks, rugs, decorations. I don't like it, so I'm redecorating. There you go. It's done. You have you furnished a house for nothing. Like my partner and I are planning on buying a small row home in Delaware at some point. Um, I mean, typically I graduate in May. I want to go under contract in April because I already have a job secured. So hopefully I can <laughs> cross my fingers and make it all work. And we already have all the furniture we need. Um, most of it's traditional, and it's fine. We're going to use that bed set I already have, and we have some modern stuff we're going to mix it in. You can mix these different styles and make it feel nice, and I don't think people realize that. So there's a lot of different things, but that is my two cents. And if you have questions of how you should style something, please do it. Please ask. Please explore before doing something. And please do not buy any more Ray Dunn. It is not going to have any value because everybody freaking has it. It will never have value. It is already at Marshalls and Home Goods. It does not have any value. I promise. It is not going to have a market. Ray Dunn has made millions off of these people. Please don't make yourself one of them. Anyway, have a nice night because it is 929 here in Maryland. And I hope everyone has a great week um i'll probably post one or two other times this week i kind of post sporadically just you know as i feel and i hope the sound quality is a little bit better because this microphone wasn't absolute disaster to get set up but luckily it's going to be used for other things um like zoom and meetings that i'm going to have so it's actually something i was going to need anyway so anyways have a good week guys and i really appreciate it thanks for listening to House Speak.